Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with a subject today on matter. Matter doesn't matter, as Jim Dibble <laughs> would tell us. And uh, we are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, independent Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And we are so glad you could all join us today. And we have a visitor here, Stephanie from North Carolina, visiting us. She's the one that gave that de delightful testimony about her dress going to the wedding <laughs> through the airport, for those of you who listen to that. So, okay, we'll start this morning with our morning prayer. This morning I'm reading from page 14 of People's Gear of God and page 63 of Divinity Course in General Collectania. O Christian scientist, thou of the church of the newborn, awake to a higher and holier love for God and man. Put on the whole armor of truth. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, that ye may go to the bed of anguish and look upon this dream of light in matter, girt with a higher sense of omnipotence, and behold once again the power of divine love, divine life and love to heal and reinstate man in God's own image and likeness, having one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And the Christian scientist's prayer. There is no matter and no mortal mind. God is all in all. All is harmony, health, holiness. This is the prayer unceasing to be used on all occasions and at all times. It lays the axe at the root of unreality, materiality, that forbidden tree, and cut it down. Preserve a sacred silence on this subject of prayer. Mary B. Kennedy. Very beautiful. Thank you for coming up with these beautiful prayers each, each week. Thank you. Before we go to the watching point, oh, there's just one thing we need to mention. Calvin Fry. Oh, yes. The Calvin Fry diary. That was mentioned previously. Uh, the version that we have was from Keiston, and Keiston asked us not to share it. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot around Calvin Fry's diary, but I think it's important to know that Calvin Fry was the man for the moment, that moment lasting 28 years with Mrs. Eddie. And, you know, what he wrote about was pertinent to the time. And I think those few bits that Carpenter took out of there and put into his works are probably the best things for us. You know, none of us are in his position, so his writings don't necessarily help us to deal with our day to day. So yes. anyway, we 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 don't. It's not really something that we have to share with others. So and and those I've I've haven't read it myself, and I understand it's in longhand. You have to really pour over it. Um, it's similar to you know our our former class tapes when Mrs. Evans was around, and the people who want to listen to that weren't there. You don't know the circumstances. You'll make. I'll guarantee wrong assumptions about what was going on. It's not helpful. If it were, we would do it. We have um, given to you the creme de la creme of the teachings we received here. Some of you who have been here long enough have received the tapes because you ordered them years ago, and that's a different story. But um, I, I mean, for instance, would you would you please send me your I would love to read it, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I will announce it on the round table. How about that? <laughs> you know, there's some things that are just like jottings out of context. And we yeah. have no idea what what it would even be re referencing. You cannot make assumptions. So, well, that that's it. We have it in case we ever need it for any reason. We have right original, not no, not the original copy of the original, yeah. but yeah. 
So just for our records. Uh, but other well, than that, just um, add something on the history of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it was Didymore, but someone took the diary and they ripped out a bunch of pages because they didn't think anybody should read them. Yeah. Um, but then later, there maybe the same person. Uh, someone can correct me, but same person restored some of the pages, maybe all of them. But uh, anyway. Well, thank you. Yes, and we have some the the best biographies of Mrs. Eddy in our church in our library. Thanks largely to Tom from New York, Linda, Francis, some others of you who have worked on this library and are still working on it. And and they are wonderful. And all you need to do is read The Carpenter, um, Her Spiritual Footsteps. That will tell you everything you need to know. And the re- reason we're talking about this in the first place is because a couple of weeks ago, I don't know, somehow it came up and we said, oh, just come visit us and we'll show you the diary. Well, <laughs> we're just retracting yeah, that. Tony said something. and we. Just... Wait a minute. I'm on the road driving there now. Am I to turn around? <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Get some turn grits around. and cheese. Dang it. Yeah, yeah. So I came from North Carolina for I know, it. I know. Well, that's how it kind of came Just up. Just kidding. I know. I know. We had to do a little backtracking there. So. Well, and I have to say, I, I did start reading it when we first got it. And I couldn't read half of it. Yeah. It's not legible. Not legible. Yeah. Yeah. It's like trying to read yeah. uh, Carol's shorthand. I'm <laughs> <laughs> saying a lot. And also, after, after we continue or maybe i'll do it now um melissa from australia she sent me contents of notebook kept by calvin fry well look at that (laughs) so i'll read some of this (laughs) illegible stuff that was interesting the only power there is in mesmerism is what we allow it to have i am so thankful that god makes me just what he would have me be all fear is formed in unconscious unconscious mind the hidden enemy is our only enemy the bigger the era, the greater its nothingness. Have no will opposed to God. Meekness is not weakness. It is not my will, but thine be done. Throwing ourselves into God's power. So those are some of the beautiful, understandable uh, excerpts. Yeah, readable, readable that are circulating. And I happened to, someone happened to send that to me a while ago, so... And if you're really studying science and going through all the material that we do have, they should be quite similar to the notes you write for yourself. Well, that's right. It's it's the same truths. So, um, but we are very, very grateful for the library we have because we know of other um, biographies and things of Mrs. Eddy that are not complimentary. And as far as we're concerned, they should not be circulated. Only the good the true about her. And again, we're grateful for Tony's website, who is Mary Baker Eddy. Um, this is what we need to know of her. And, uh, and thank God we, we do and can. Okay. We will get to the watching point now, Karen. Watch number 409. Watch that you do not pray to God to come down into Egypt to extricate you from its clutches. Man's part is to rise from the objective to the subjective, from the belief of intelligent matter to the consciousness of mind as supreme and all, while God's part is to destroy the false evidence of sin, sickness, and death. God says, My child... If you do your part in rising above matter as having any life, truth, intelligence, or substance, I will reward you by taking away all erroneous manifestations. Mrs. Eddy once wrote to a student, quote, Do you find any difficulty in healing? If so, strike for the higher sense of the nothingness of matter, end quote. Also, 
In her first rendering of the spiritual interpretation of the Lord's Prayer, she wrote, quote, And truth will destroy sickness, sin, and death, as it destroys the belief in intelligent matter, end quote. You must not believe that the part you have to play is material, which if you do faithfully, God will do the spiritual. It is better to say that God will take care of the material if you are faithful in doing the spiritual. And then it says, see Science and Health, page 395, and I will read that. Like the great exemplar, the healer should speak to disease as one having authority over it, leaving soul to master the false evidences of the corporeal senses and to assert its claims over mortality and disease. The same principle cures both sin and sickness. When divine science overcomes faith in a carnal mind and faith in God destroys all faith in sin and in material methods of healing, then sin, disease, and death will disappear. Thank you. Okay, comments on that one. Well, I think this is what Mrs. Eddy meant when she said we need to spiritualize our thought. We need to have no other gods but the spiritual, the one spirit. We need to, we need to get rid of any faith or belief in the reality of anything material. To think that it has any power or ability to do anything. Rise in rebellion. <laughs> Go on, Gary. <laughs> Go on. Well, yeah. I mean, if a if if matter appears to be doing something to you, for you, she says, rise in rebellion against it. Rise in rebellion against the belief that it can influence you or harm you or benefit you, for that matter, in any way. Okay, Karen, did you want to say something? Well, yeah, there was a quote that I read. I, I don't, don't remember who wrote it or when I heard it or read it, but it, it's it's sort of like the same thing. That it was. The quote was, uh, if you stay with cause and focus on the cause, which, of course, is God, divine principle, life, truth, and love, cause will take care of effect. So we we focus on the cause. We stay with that. And that will take care of any effect, um, because that's that's where our focus should be: is stay with what is, and yes. the is not will be not. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, if you're focusing on the material part, you're focusing on the wrong thing, and you're only increasing it in your thought. So we focus always focus on cause being God. Good. Now, this subject matter, a lot of people have trouble with it, and, and perhaps rightfully so. And it does take, as we read in this lesson, a, a leap of faith to say, well, no, matter doesn't matter. <laughs> um, take that leap of faith. But you have to start somewhere. And What's the difference between objective and subjective that's mentioned here in the watching point? What is it, objective? Objective is something that's outside of thought, outside in front of you, something that you see out there. Subjective is what's going on within thought. Yeah, one, one definition, of objective, not influenced by personal feelings or opinions. While subjective... Might be, but um, in this case, it is subjective because even though maybe it appears that matter is real, right, and has entity and all that, we know it doesn't. So sometimes the subjective is a good thing when it when it is coupled with understanding of the truth. 
So, and I always love it where my child, if you do your part in rising above matter as having any life, truth, intelligence, or substance. So, and I read this almost every time we have a lesson on matter. Miscellaneous writings, questions, and answers. If God does not recognize matter, how did Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, cognize it? And Mrs. Eddy says, if you will admit with me that matter is neither substance, intelligence, nor life, you may have all that is left of it. And you will have touched the hem of the garment of Jesus' idea of matter. Christ was the way, since life and truth were the way, that gave us, through a human person, a spiritual revelation of man's possible earthly development. So, I love that answer. All of you, all of you need to know prose works. You need to study this chapter. If you study this chapter, questions and answers, so many of your questions will be answered. Study it thoughtfully. So, I love that. Okay, you can have whatever's left of it. Sometimes I think, hmm, well, what's left of it after that? <laughs> right? What is left? Not much. Pile, pile up. Just the misery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, May I say something? Please do. Okay. And so I've been learning that the more you focus on spirit and stay with it, the more the matter really does sort of disappear to you in a way. It's hard to um, come up with a word to say what happens, but it's definitely a wonderful thing. I, I'm pretty sure it's Martha Wilcox that says, if you were to stay with spirit for three days consecutively, boy, what changes you would see. And it's not an easy thing to stay all day, but it sure is a wonderful thing, and it's a practice, and it's a, it gets easier, I guess, um, as you go along. So, Thank you, yes. Yeah, Martha Wilcox is wonderful in explaining matter, so to speak, her scientific translations. All of you should be familiar with her book, and she was taught by Mrs. Eddy. So if you have trouble um, translating matter into spirit, as they say, then study those that chapter. And yes, just be thinking about things spiritual. Uh, see beyond the so-called physical and see what's really there, what's really operating and what you know to be true. Yeah. And when you um, think, if... go ahead, Tom, go ahead. No, I'm just saying when you think in things spiritually, I had a conversation with my son yesterday and uh, he had uh, had dinner with a friend of his whose life is like, on the extremes in terms of chaotic and problems and everything. And, and I told Charles, I said, you know, uh, you know, maybe interesting to do fun things or, uh, whatever, like to kind of make life exciting. But, uh, you know, uh, what is a life of chaos? I said, don't you realize how hard it is to actually have a life that's kind of routine and boring? <laughs> it takes a little bit of work there to do that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a much better life, it's, don't you think? So how much fascinating to have a boring life, right? So, yeah. I mean, I don't need to say the negative way about boring life, but I mean, there is some work to having a routine and regular pattern to our life, right? Uh, which is so much better than something that's chaotic and full of issues and problems and and so on. Thank you. No, no, I we get what you're saying. And it, it can be a life not just of not necessarily boring, but peaceful, orderly. You can right, use different right, words right. to describe it. I, I don't think God ever wants us to be bored. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. We really have no reason to be bored because there's so many interesting things. I think that your fun be fulfilling, not escapism. If oh. your fun is escapism, then you're not dealing with things. Right. And of course your life is falling apart. Thank but you. if your fun is fulfillment, then every day is a joy. Yeah. Were you going to say something, Tom? Oh, well, um, this is also the sense of that you need to surround your people, yourself with the right kind of people, right? So 
he had told me voluntarily, he says, you know, I, I'm not going to spend time with him anymore. You know? Yeah. No, that's true. Um, there are different levels of of growth. I can remember as a child, you know, going to someone's house and almost being astonished at the chaos that would be going on, you know, screaming and yeah. the, the house would be a mess and this and that. And um, as a child, I, I didn't quite understand it. I just know that I didn't like going there. I wanted to stay home. Um, but as Tom says, it takes some work to get a level of peace in your home and not have it chaotic. That is materiality, which is also in this lesson this week is we'll be talking about the materiality. Yeah. And some people are used to chaos. They're used to having TV blaring all the time and people yelling and arguments and, and upsets and they're not feeling well or other things going on. But that's that's not a godly life at all. And that's not a life of a Christian scientist. Well, doesn't it boil down to wh where, where do you look for answers to your questions? Where do you look for guidance on what to do each day? Where, where, do, where, where do you look for happiness? Do you look, I mean, Mrs. Eddy talks about the bliss of loving unselfishly. If, if we are looking for the divine purpose in what we do, if we are looking for divine reality in others around us, we are spiritualizing our thought. And we are going to have, you know, the things material are going to become less and less important. And we're going to recognize that they are not the source. They are not the cause of life. They are the result of our thinking. And as our thinking becomes more godlike, you know, material things just don't become important anymore. Our, our, our needs are going to be met. Our wants are going to sort of dribble away into, you know, unimportance. And this is the process of spiritualizing. This is, in a way, what Elizabeth was talking about when she said it's kind of hard to understand until you start doing it. It is. When you start emphasizing the enduring, the good, and the true in your life, when you start looking for God in all, in all things, suddenly things just begin to change. And you really don't understand it till you start to do it. And then all of this stuff does seem less important. And... Um, you're not going to be so enamored with yourself or your body. Um, there was one article that Carrie sent me that I thought was amusing about how we're so enamored with our bodies. <laughs> so we look at them all, all the time. We're always thinking about them and preening. And I don't know. It was, it was pretty amusing, but true. <laughs> so, and, and, the more you do it, the more you'll have it. So kind of keep a lid on that sort of thing. Um, enough to take care of it properly and absolutely, but don't get enamored with it. So, um, Jeremy, would you read the golden text, please? John, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Thank you. I looked up that word quickeneth. It means to make alive, enlighten and enlivens the inner man, to give life to, to preserve life. And so this is a reason to be thinking of the things of spirit. It's going to enliven you, make you alive, enlighten you. In every way. Um, and also, I thought this was helpful. This was in an article also Carrie sent from Judge Septimus Hanna, The Spirit Quickeneth. That quote, the psalmist said, Quicken us and we will call upon thy name. Human consciousness apprehends man's relationship to God's spirit in the degree of its quickening 
through spiritual understanding. As men awaken from the belief, here we go again, that there is life, substance, and intelligence in matter, they begin to recognize spirit as the only life, substance, and intelligence. This constitutes the quickening. Thus, in effect, spake Jesus when he said, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. He made the plain distinction between spiritual understanding and fleshly belief. That is, between the understanding of spirit as all in all and the false belief that there is life and action apart from spirit. So this is sort of a quickening. This is a, a point of departure, right, from this belief of your living in matter and looking to matter and, you know, certain people have certain brains that are better than others and then they have certain better jobs because of their brains and or, or whatever else they're thinking, intelligence and matter. That's an example of that. Life in matter, you know, that you're here today and gone tomorrow kind of a thing. <laughs> And, and substance that, that oh, what seems to be real is matter rather than spirit. So during your day, we all need to be making, having this quickening going on within ourselves, the quickening spirit, as Gary said, to see things spiritually. Well, and, and you know, this is what heals because it brings it brings reality to your consciousness. It brings the reality of your perfection into your consciousness. And your body responds. She says, truth is an alternative to the entire system. And since it is the truth, it is totally beneficial for you and for everybody around you. This is the basic Christian Science 101. <laughs> and we all must have that faith, be willing to, to do this and to accept it and say, okay, I do believe that spirit is all and matter is nothing. It's a big leap of faith in a way, especially if you think all your life you've seen all these terrible things happen to you, all kinds of things. How can you say that's not true? You have to take that leap of faith and you have to start doing it before you understand it. You have to start, try it out and then strengthen yourself in it. Do it more and more. You will find it'll grow into the perfect day. Just as Elizabeth said, it's hard to explain. You got to do it. And don't be discouraged when the devil comes along and says, okay, oh yeah, do you really believe this? Because it will throw a lot of obstacles in your way. I mean, Mrs. Mrs. Eddy said, emerge gently from matter to spirit. In other words, you're not gonna you're not gonna get all the way there overnight. I mean, you know, Jesus understood he probably understood everything. <laughs> um, you know, but look at how long it takes the rest of us, <laughs> you know, to make progress. But, you know, progress may come slowly to some people. It may come quickly to others. But if you make progress, God rewards that progress. And, you know, it's not intellectual either. It, you can listen to what we're talking about, and you can't humanly reason yourself up to this understanding, I, I'm, I'm reminded of um, love inspires, illumines, and designates the way. So if, you know, on this, on this journey of merging out of what isn't into what is, you should feel this sense of um, this inspirational love, love for man, love for others, you know, concern for others and loving them. And that that lets you know you're on the right path because if you're always just thinking about yourself and you might just be kind of humanly trying to reason yourself up, but this all starts with a love for God and man. So if you don't find yourself really truly caring about the people around you, you can 
rest assured you're probably not on the right track. Absolutely. Thank so you. many people Good. get hung up on the intellectual trying to figure it out. Good point. Yeah. Be- because you can't figure it out. It's impossible. You only understand as you step by step prove it to yourself. That's what I love about Christian science. It is 100% totally practical. You can't understand anything that you don't prove to yourself. So You have to start by accepting what's true. Mrs. Eddie says, let us accept science. So you have to start by accepting that what you're hearing or reading is the truth. You have to start with the, okay, I accept this, and not argue against it, but accept it. And then things start to, you know, step by step. It has to be accepted. God's allness has to be accepted. Yeah, thank you. And the pioneer, you know, pioneers have proven it for us. You know, look what Jesus did. Uh, and, you know, I, I may never be able to walk on the water, but so what? If I can catch a glimpse of the truth behind what Jesus did and showed us and explained to us. Well, for heaven's sake, his disciples did wonderful work. Mrs. Eddy explains the whole thing scientifically, and she had a, a lot of good followers who got it. So there's a lot of people who have proven this for us. It's not like we have to start from the very beginning and start all over. Well, and when we come here, we've been actively proving that the other way doesn't work. So why not give this its full due? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Absolutely. So it was interesting because another one of Carrie's articles, the name of it was The Way of Escape. And that's pretty much she was saying, how do you, how do you get out of this thing that you're <laughs> in matter? And, and you do it just by letting that spirit quicken you and... As Gary was saying, seeing examples as Christ Jesus, uh, he he showed that example, and and it's for us for all time, as did Mrs. Eddy. So um, says the founder of Christianity, meaning Christ Jesus, who based all his thoughts on the allness of God, could deny the false evidence of the physical senses, break the mesmeric fears of mortal mind, and furnish food for all. So, because he did it, gives us faith and confidence that it can be done and that we can do it. And all of us should be doing it and proving it. And yeah, without the love, the letter is nothing. Nothing. So, Shardy, what? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say to ask God in earnest to help you do it. I feel is very, very effective. Yes. And that's why all those beautiful Psalms teach me, O Lord. And, um, and also the lesson begins that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Really ask yourself, do you? I remember years ago being poised that question and it was actually Charles Stanley he did a whole sermon on that, and I had to say, no, I, I don't think I even thought about it, really. It's so easy to be superficial in our prayers or what we even what we desire. To go deep down, is this more important than anything? You have to have that in you, that love. The love is what does it, yes, indeed. All right. It was in our watch this week. Pray for yourself. God will help you. Yes. It's beautiful. I love that part. And then this lesson is so wonderful that takes us out of matter. But I must say, when I read again for the, I don't know, the hundred times, how many times, about the woman with the issue of blood, it it chokes me up even now. I got this flash of all all we can do, we can touch the garment of the Christ love in thought that's all it takes in thought because you know she had him in person 
and he called her daughter. It was so beautiful. It, it makes me <laughs> a little emotional now. <laughs> <laughs> no, abs- absolutely. And then, Galatians, the next one, five. Once healed, we must stand fast in faith. Not on everything might get healed at that instant, but something gets healed in your being, in your thought. And then you stand fast in your faith. And that's the next step. It's beautiful, Shardell. Mm-hmm. And that's the heart and soul. And, um, you know, other people around Jesus might have had faith at that moment. But this this woman's faith was so great, her trust in him, that he could heal this without a doubt. That's what did it. So, what what is in in the you know the chosen when Jesus spoke to that woman who was helping the paralytic go down the roof? So oh, your faith is beautiful. Your faith is beautiful. He was always looking for that faith. Um, we we know as scientists that we must go beyond just the faith to the understanding. Then you're really on concrete ground when you actually understand the principles of Christian science. Um, but again, you have to start somewhere. You start with what you have and what you know and build upon that. So, And remember, the understanding comes... When you prove it, when you demonstrate it, when you are obedient to the still small voice within you, it doesn't come before then. It comes after the obedience. Again, Tony's point, you can't humanly reason or think yourself into understanding Christian science. It doesn't work. (laughs) I think it was last week where you said, take a truth, take one truth, and then use it, and then, then it'll, it'll come. It'll, it'll, it'll come. It'll grow, yes. Just and that. it'll blossom. Small as a grain of mustard seed. It's all you need. Start somewhere. And, and as, as Shardell said, then don't give up. Don't throw it out right away, but no. stand fast with stand it. Fast. Don't let Arab push you around. And in this lesson, I so loved, it was the 9, 10, 11, 12 of Science and Health. Uh, it really talks, tells you how to give a treatment, how to get out of this false sense of matter. That health is not a condition of matter, but of mind. That means your, your health cannot fluctuate. It's in mind. You might be fluctuating around, but health is right there, perfect. Um, and then, you know, who art thou that replies to spirit? Who the heck is talking here? To spirit? What the heck is that all about? Can matter speak for itself or does it hold the issues of life? So are you going to let this matter boss you around? Tell you this, that, and the next thing? And, and God, who is man's life, uh, this, this one, 11, mortal man will be less mortal, which is what we're talking about, when he learns that matter never sustained existence and can never destroy God, who is man's life. When this is understood, mankind will be more spiritual and know that there is nothing to consume since spirit God is all in all. What if the belief is consumption or whatever you want to call it? God is more to man than his belief. And the less we acknowledge matter or its laws, the more immortality we possess. Consciousness constructs a better body when faith, faith in matter has been conquered. That's what that woman who was healed her faith in matter, she had more faith in Christ. Then correct material belief by spiritual understanding, and spirit will form you anew. And then this I love. You will never fear again, except to offend God. Wow. 
and you will never believe that the heart or any portion of the body can destroy you. The hell you say, <laughs> really? <laughs> How dare it, the audacity of it. We're not going to sit and let it boss us around. Matter has no voice. You give it any voice it has, the life it has, as Mrs. Eddy says. And you don't have to, because we know and we understand this science, even if it's in a degree, whatever degree. So this is how, and then, and then with an ending with a scientific statement of being, which we all know and love. And um, Carrie gave me an article in which where Mrs. Eddy is saying that she wants it read at the end of the services. Because it's so powerful. And when you hear it being read, just, you know, let it fill up your heart, mind and soul and bless the world with this truth. So. And others of you and thank you for those of you who sent things to me. I, Karen mentioned about the vanity and vexation of spirit. You want to mention that briefly, Karen? Oh, OK. Well, it was it was on. um uh, Ecclesiastes verse 11. It, it just, it was Gil's um, commentary, and he just said it so, so perfectly how it's all vanity to go after um, matter for pleasure. And, and I don't know, it was just such a great explanation of, of what he found after all the attempts to have find pleasure in it and satisfaction and peace. And, and then he finally comes to the conclusion that it was all, in, all vanity and vexation, nothing solid and substantial in the whole, no pure, true pleasure and real joy, no satisfaction or happiness in that pleasure. These pleasing things perished with the using and the pleasure of them faded and died in the enjoyment of them, and instead of yielding solid delight, only proved vexations, because the pleasure was so soon over and left a thirst for more, and what was not to be had, at most and best, only the outward senses were fed, the mind not at all improved, nor the heart made better, and much less contented. It was only pleasing the fancy and imagination and feeding on wind. And there was no profit under the sun by those things to improve and satisfy the mind of man, to raise him to true happiness, to be of any service to him in the hour of death or fit him for an eternal world. So there it is. I mean, it <laughs> pretty much says it all. Yes. And it does go, you mentioned, with the science and health. Christian science meets a yearning of the human race for spirituality, and higher enjoyment alone can satisfy the cravings of immortal man. So, yes, that preacher yeah. was quite an example. There is something um, Carrie found that is most beautiful. It's a little long, but I couldn't cut it short, so I'm going to have Gary end a little early today. It is a... Um, I guess it's something that was in, a, in the paper and it was a the experience of Francis Hodgson Burnett and Louisa May Alcott with the healer the healer being Mary Baker Eddy now as a child Louisa May Alcott I read all of her books I still have them I've read them multiple times I loved her her, her father, Bronson Alcott, was healed by Mrs. Eddy and was a good friend of Mrs. Eddy and stood with Mrs. Eddy uh, when her textbook, Science and Health, first came out. He was a staunch supporter of her. That Frances Hodgson, Burn, Hodgson Burnett, can't say I've read her books, but I'm sure you've all heard of The Secret Garden, Little Lord Fauntleroy, mm -hmm. The Little mm -hmm. Prince. These were two authors of beautiful children's books. And so they went and met Mrs. Eddy. And I've never read this account before. And we're going to share it today. The whole thing. 
Yes. We'll all just have to sit and listen. The whole thing. Okay. The whole thing. I can't cut it out. Okay. This is written from the Hotel Vendome, July 1885. It is easy to live so near to any subject of interest that practically one knows nothing about it. It ceases to be objective to one, and that which may be done any day is apt to be done on no day at all. Here in Boston, for instance, we are so accustomed to hearing of the marvels of the, quote, mind cure, that we fail to really learn as much of its mysteries as people often do from a distance. And pondering all these things in my heart one day, I resolved to go and see Mrs. Eddy, or Reverend Mary B.G. Eddy, as she is known, president of the Metaphysical College and the originator, as she claims, and, as I have no reason to doubt, of Christian science, popularly known as Mind Cure. Now, of this I am neither a disciple nor a scoffer. My mental attitude toward the phenomena is, per se, of no importance or interest. But in view of what I am about to relate, I beg to preface that I went to Mrs. Eddy with no positive feeling either way of either conviction or skepticism. In a general way, most persons of average thought in this day and age are quite willing to admit, I fancy, that there are more things in heaven and earth than we have dreamed in our philosophy, and I quite share that feeling. But it has happened that I had never even seen a mind curer, never heard one of their lectures, and had not read extensively of their special literature, when I suddenly resolved to call upon Mrs. Eddy, if she would permit me to do so. My note of inquiry was met by a very courteous invitation to come to her at an hour named in it, and accordingly at eight o'clock on that evening I rang the bell of the large and handsome residence on Columbus Avenue near Westchester Park, known as the Metaphysical College. A maid ushered me, where pictures and bric-brac indicated ushered me into a daintily furnished reception room where pictures and a brick-brac indicated refinement and taste. Presently, Mrs. Eddy came in and greeted me with a manner that, with, while cordial and graceful, was also something more, and had in it an indefinable element of harmony and a peace that was not mere repose, but more like exultation. It was subtle and indefinable, however, and I did not think of it especially at the time, although I felt it. The conversation touched lightly on current topics and finally recurred to the subject of metaphysical cure. Mrs. Eddy preaches every Sunday at three o'clock in the Hawthorne Rooms on Park Street and draws a crowded house weekly. I've intended going to hear her for many weeks, but failed to materialize these intentions. Nor do I happen to have met anyone who has been there. But I know from current reports that the hall is always filled, and with a quiet and orderly, and presumably more or less intelligent audience. From Mrs. Eddy's classes in the college, she noted mind cures of this city have gone out after a course of many months' study with her, the instructions taking the form of lectures. I learned from her that she is daughter of a deeply religious and devout mother, that her grandmother was a Scottish covenanter and second cousin to Mrs. Hannah Moore of England. Mrs. Eddy had been an invalid from her childhood until, I pass over details, the day came when she was believed to be dying. It was Sunday morning. The pastor came in on his way to church, and she asked him to come again after he had concluded service. But you will not be here, he replied. As what seemed the last moments came, as what seemed the last moments came, she begged her friends to leave her alone. With great reluctance, they at last complied. The instant she was alone in the room, she felt a conviction that she was to live. 
And she said she suddenly felt a new comprehension of the wonderful significance of the words, quote, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, end quote. She began to grow strong. She arose from her bed and walked into the adjoining room, and her affrighted friends were terror-stricken, believing they saw her apparition. And not until they had looked on the bed and seen that it was empty could they believe it was her natural self. From that hour, the power was revealed to her. Mrs. Eddy impressed me as a woman who is, in the language of our Methodist friends, filled with the Spirit. It seems to be a merely natural gift with her. She is, by nature, a harmonizer. My own personal experience in that call was so singular that I will venture to relate it. I went, as I have already said, in a journalistic spirit. I had no belief or disbelief, and the idea of getting any personal benefit from the call, save matter for press use, never occurred to me. But I remembered afterward how extremely tired I was as I walked rather wearily and languidly up the steps to Mrs. Eddy's door. I came away as a little child friend of mine expressly says, skipping. I was at least a mile from the Vendome, and I walked home feeling as if I were treading on air. My sleep that night was the rest of Elysium. If I had been caught up into paradise, it could hardly have been a more wonderful renewal. All the next day, this exalted state continued. I can hardly describe it. I was simply the most marvelous, it was simply the most marvelous elasticity of mind and body. All this time, it was Saturday evening, I called on Mrs. Eddy, and the ensuing day being Sunday, and not attending service that day, I was not out to meet anyone. All this Sunday, I merely thought a trifle, wonderingly, how well I feel. In the evening, I had callers, and I told of my visit to Mrs. Eddy, and later, in an entirely different connection, I chanced to allude to the unusual and, indeed, utterly unprecedented buoyancy of energy I was feeling. Why, that's the result of your going to Mrs. Eddy, exclaimed a friend who had heard of her powers. I had not thought of it before. Because, you see, I want to have my mind stored, not cured. And in a journalistic sense, I forgot I was with the most famous mind curer of the day. Whether my half hour's talk with her produced this result, I do not know. At least, here are the facts. The healing of his seamless dress is by our beds of pain. We touch him in life's throng and press, and we are whole again. Still struggles in age's breast with deepening agony of quest. The old entreaty, art thou he, or look we for the Christ to be? So I'm so grateful she found that beautiful account of Mrs. Eddy. Um, so... Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.